Hello and welcome to the NBC Sports Podcast Season 2, Episode 3. I'm Andrew Sellover, your host, joined by Connell Scruggs and J.P. Eisenhower again. We're going to take you uh, through a quick update on our points standings following Week 2's picks. Um, I gained a point on both of you through Michigan uh, defeating Iowa, so I caught up, and then Connell and I both took three points ahead of J.P., following um, our upset picks. To be uh, fair, we all have the same record. I just missed my upset Yeah, pick. he did miss the upset. So, Connell and I, uh, I took J- uh, Texas Tech, and they defeated Oklahoma State. Connell put, uh, picked Virginia Tech over Miami, and that actually was a good that pick. That was a close game, too. That was, that was a good game. They were up by a lot, and then came down to the last came play. Back. <laughs> they were up by so much in the third quarter, I can't believe that game got that close. So, all three of us, 15-6, and six, however... Yeah. Connell and I on 18 points and JP on 15 following yeah. our uh, picks and upset picks. Cal disappointed me. <laughs> no, <laughs> We're going to start that. this week with high school football. Um, last week, Maris defeated Chastity pretty handily. Guys, what do y'all think about that game? Uh, so this, I think, is by far the worst defense Maris has seen so far. JP called it in last week's podcast. The secondary for Chastity just got absolutely torched. Uh, the first four plays, we had three touchdowns. Two Connor Sigelski runs and one Thomas Rollauer reception um, for a touchdown. And Connor Sigelski just went off in the first half. He had 205 rushing yards and three uh, rushing touchdowns in the first half. Um, but one thing I will say about about him, he needs to improve on his deep passes. Um, he, he excels well in the short passes, slants across the middle. He, he does well. He's pretty accurate with those. But deep passes down the field... Uh, he needs to improve his accuracy on. He had a wide-open Matthew Houghton in the first quarter on a fade route, and he overthrew him by about five yards. There was no one within 10 yards of him. All he had to do was just put a little air under it, and he overthrew him by about five yards. Um, yeah. To be fair, though, he did have the first – wasn't it first touchdown or second? I mean, they scored what? within four pl- – No, scored. It, w- it was insignificant. I'm just saying, like – Yeah, I mean, purely, obviously, purely, he needs to improve that, yeah. though. That's like a big thing. You can't miss wide-open receivers. I think – Definitely that's something that he's working on in practice. He's definitely going over that route again and some deeper routes. He really needs to improve in that area. I agree. I think that he has the ability to do it. It's just if he can execute it in pressure situations and games. Yeah, and, and I will say this about the defense. They did a great job, especially the defensive line. They were getting a ton of pressure on the Chesity uh, QB. Um, they Justin knew that we were going to bring pressures. They were going to the outside and the flats a lot to counter that that Maris rush. But on on downfield passes, um, the quarterback for Chester did not have a lot of time to make plays. So they did a great job of rushing him. Another thing interesting on defensively, obviously a bunch of injuries, but uh, in the second half especially, uh, Christian Charles and the Chester offense went uh, no huddle, hurry up. And they really uh, beat up that Marist defense in the second half. Two drives. First one resulted in a touchdown. Second one was about to result in a touchdown until uh, two 15-yard penalties on the same play resulted in a a third and about 30, which was insurmountable on that drive. But uh, with the no-huddle offense, a bunch of quick passes really beat up that Marist offense in the second half. Yeah, and one thing on the injury note. I've seen a lot of them, and a lot of them are looking like they could play this week. I'm not 100% sure on Tyler. I haven't heard about him. I believe he is expected to play this week, but I know Mitch is out of his boot, so that's a really good sign for Maris. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Mitch Owen, uh, out of the boot, uh, has the chance to play this week. Uh, Josh Moore also injured his knee slightly, some knee soreness. 
the doctor suggested that he just sit out this week. He's fine, fit to play, but uh, given a lesser opponent and given the schedule Marist has after this week, they've suggested that I think he might sit sit out. Um, Tyler yeah. Hare, I think, is back along with Charlie Fleming, both of them. Mm-hmm. Although I would expect short, small uh, playing time for both of those guys coming back from injury against a um, lesser opponent. And now we'll we'll move on to talking about the upcoming game versus West Hall this Friday. Um, Marist is just – they're going to have played the worst two defenses in a row uh, in 4A, possibly – in Region 7, possibly 4A. Um, I think this defense is worse than Chesity. They've allowed more points than Chesity has, um, and they're just struggling all around on defense. And their offense is also doing – really really terribly they've scored 57 points all year just to put this in perspective mayor scored 56 last week versus <laughs> chesity so they haven't really been able to get much going on offense and their defense is struggling so this i think maris is going to take this one by a lot and this for week. sure last week uh the against denmark uh west hall gave up 527 total yards 193 <laughs> oh, passing 334 rushing yards to denmark um the Denmark rushing attack is pretty pretty good, um, but I would expect Marist with that triple triple option offense, uh, it might be scary this week. Yeah, West Hall is all around just a horrible team. Offense, defense, special teams. I don't I can't find too much positive about them and I've been looking. They're just not a complete team. They're 0 and six. And think about this. They have not scored more than once in a game since the thirtieth of August. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and then their kicker misses kicks. Their defense, obviously, we've well documented so far how bad their defense is. I think this is going to be even worse of a game than last week. Offensively, last week against Denmark, Clayton Jenkins, their quarterback, 12 for 23, 136 yards passing, um, one interception. So, obviously, not horrible completion rate, about just over 50%. So, I th- the quarterback's not terrible. It's similar to what we saw from Chesity last week. A decent quarterback. Um, he has a, a relatively okay running back. But other than that, nobody supporting those two players for uh, West Hall last week. Solomon Riley, the running back, 15 carries for 40 yards. Um, averaged about three yards a carry. And Matthew Griffin, the wide receiver, four receptions for 58 yards. Those guys are just going to try and carry the offense this week. They have low support from the rest of their uh, offensive players yeah and one thing I've noticed is just like last week the receivers for West Hall they fumble a lot more than I've seen a lot of receivers fumble and it's not like deep downfield or it's more like crossing route and then they're not getting it punched out Mm. when they're getting tackled they're just dropping it okay yeah and in terms of our coverage we're actually not able to coverage or broadcast the game live this week um, because West Hall is not allowing us to broadcast because uh, they think it's going to hurt their tic- ticket sales as they think Marist fans won't travel to the game as it's far away. Uh, but we will record the game and upload it to the NFHS network on Saturday if you want to watch it there. So go ahead and check it out. We're going to have 100% student crew, student commentators, JP Eisenhower and Andrew Sullivan are going to be on the call. JP's filling in for me because I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. for fall break over the weekend. So, yeah, make sure to watch that broadcast. We're going to move into uh, taking a look at the Region 7 4A uh, standings. Denmark leads 2-0, tied with Marist, also at 2-0, both teams undefeated. 
Blessed Trinity and Flowery Branch, both 1-0. and So the top four teams, Denmark Marist, Blessed Trinity, Flowery Branch, all coming into the season expected to be the top four in the region. White County is 0-2 along with Chesity, Westall, all 0-2 at the bottom, tied for fifth, I guess you could say. All three of those are expected to miss the playoffs as they're expected to lose to all of the top four teams who are expected to be in the top eight, all of them in 4A. As we're going to move, we're going to now take a look at the Region 7 uh, 4A game of the week. Blessed Trinity taking on Denmark in which promises to be the uh, biggest region game we've had all year. Guys, who are you looking forward to watching in this one? Um, I'm looking forward to see how Denmark performs in this one. They're one of my favorite 4A teams just because they're so underrated. Um, their three most important players on offense, their quarterback, wide receiver, and running back are all committed to big D1 schools, um, two at Auburn and one Virginia Tech. Uh, and there's, the star on this team is Aaron McLaughlin. He's a four-star pro-style quarterback. He's 6'4", 225, uh, and an Auburn commit. He's got a quick three-quarter release point. And uh, he's a gunslinger. He's got an arm on him. He can throw the ball downfield. And if I'm going to compare him to a player in the NFL, JP's not going to like this, but I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes. I think that's a little bit too much to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. I do think he's played very well this season, though, and I think he's going to continue to play well. I'm just saying I'm comparing him to Patrick Mahomes in the sense of his play style. Like He likes to make a lot of throws on the run. He's capable of making... Um, deep throws, even under pressure. Like he's just an athletic quarterback, able to make throws that most guys can't. Uh, so that's why I compare him there. And then Xavion Capers, a senior, he's a four-star, also an Auburn commit. So he's going to be going to Auburn uh, with with the quarterback Aaron McLaughlin. He, this guy, runs possibly the crispest routes I've ever seen out of a high schooler in four uh, A out of this region. Um, he has speed that can take the top off the defense. You see in in his highlights, um, he plays. I think what's the quarterback competition? Uh, what's it called? The big one. Elite eleven. Yeah, no, yeah. He was a wide receiver for the elite eleven, and uh, he's playing against extreme the best DBs in the nation, and he has speed that even took them to their to their max. And he has great hands. So if you put all those together, it's going to be a deadly wide receiver quarterback matchup that BT is going to have to deal with. Yeah, they have a really explosive offense. I think they're one of the best offenses in Georgia high school football right now. I think Aaron McLaughlin is the best quarterback, period. Like in high school, I think Mm. he's the top quarterback in the nation. And I do truly believe that. I know there's a lot of good quarterbacks, but I think the size is what really is a game changer. If you're a quarterback at that size, it's just it's a lot different. You have more opportunities. You're able to do a lot better. The one question I would have is Denmark's defense, mm-hmm. but there's no steel chambers for BT this year, so I think Denmark's going to win yeah. this one. Yeah, I also, I, well, I'm going to say, I never clarified I have Denmark in this one, um, but I agree with JP. The only question for them is their defense because they haven't played anyone like BT yet this year, so it's it's going to be interesting to see yeah. how they play. Uh, JP, maybe uh, best in the state, potentially <laughs> not in the nation. I like him. Um, also, <laughs> you, you talked about not B- Patrick Mahomes, though. <laughs> BT not being. Uh, not having steel chambers, but let me tell you, they do have Justice Haynes. The freshman running back has 722 rushing yards in the first five games, nine touchdowns on only 67 carries. Um, I think that the Blessed Trinity offense will do just enough in this one. Uh, the defense might struggle a little bit stopping that Denmark uh, def- offense, high-flying offense, but the Blessed Trinity offense is more run-based run this mm-hmm. year, and the Denmark defense just isn't ready for that. Uh, 
probably the biggest game in the history of Denmark, a school created just last year. I don't think they'll be able be ready for the environment over at Blessed Trinity. Those uh, fans at Blessed Trinity will be all amped up for this one, and I think Blessed Trinity comes in and runs over that Denmark defense. To despite, that, despite a good performance by the Denmark offense. Yeah, to that point, I agree with you on the defensive side, but on the offensive side, Aaron McLaughlin, he, he's played in environments like this. He played for Buford in his first two years of high school as a freshman and a sophomore. He started for them, and that's a 5A school. It's bigger than all the 4A schools. Um, so he, he's used to that kind of environment. He's played bigger bigger teams, better teams than Blessed Trinity. So I think he's prepared for this matchup. It's just going to be the defense. The uh, 4A rankings coming into this week. Marist, top of the polls, coming off a big win last week. Uh, jumping Cartersville, who... Had a 17-14 win over, I believe, Clark Central, who was not ranked. Uh, it was supposed to be like a 30-point win for Cartersville. Ended up a three-point game. So Marist jumps them as Cartersville is at the number two spot this week. Woodward in at number three, followed by Sandy Creek, who comes off a, a huge 44-7 win over region rival uh, Troop County. Um I got that one right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, <laughs> All right. Blessed Trinity at number five. Cairo at number six and seven. Flowery Branch. Burke County at number eight. North Oconee at number nine. And Denmark checks into the top ten finally for the AJC rankings. Um, it's good to see AJC giving them some mm -hmm. acknowledgement. I know they haven't played anybody good this year. Uh, BT will be the biggest game of the year by far, so it's hard to compare them. But following this week, if they if they win, uh, expect a big jump up. It's about time they were in the top yeah, ten. You, and and we'll cover it. We'll cover Denmark more in depth when when Maris plays them in a couple of weeks. Um, but just looking at their highlights, they're they're a stacked team. Yeah, we'll move into uh, our games of the week for GHSA all of the state. Uh, Grayson at Shiloh. This is uh, actually Thursday night tonight, uh, eight p.m. Grayson four and one on the season. Shiloh undefeated six and zero for the first time in its history. They are six and zero to start the year under new head coach Tino Lorelli, who's taking the program to new heights they have never seen before. Uh, quarterback Vince Goffney, fifty-seven for ninety-three for eight hundred and one yards and fourteen touchdowns to start the season, along with running back Arthur Rogers. 900 yards to start the season in the first six games, at least 100 yards in every game so far this season. And defensive end Joshine Davis committed to Wake Forest has 16 sacks in six games. Unbelievable. Ooh. Although Shiloh has Jeez. not taken on some of the top com competition in 7A. Uh, Grayson, well-balanced offense led by Illinois quarterback commit C.J. Dixon. I think Grayson will uh, defeat a Shiloh team Although last year was 59 to three Grayson, a lot closer this year. New look to Shiloh. I think Grayson though will take the win because Shiloh won't have the experience needed. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Grayson in this one too. They have the eighth best schedule uh, in in terms of strength of schedule in Georgia, and uh, they did have though their only loss is to a top. 10 team so it's explainable their, their loss and they, they play the best competition every week so I think they're going to be more than ready for this game versus Shiloh yeah Grayson has just played a lot harder teams than Shiloh has and I think Grayson is just too good on offense on defense on special teams they're a very complete team and as you said they play some of the top teams and they're winning these games consistently and we haven't seen Shiloh do that yet I have Grayson 
Next game of the week is Hillgrove at McEachern. Battle of the undefeated. Both teams 5-0 and entering the week. Uh, last year, Hillgrove won 31-21. to uh, Huge region game, guys. Uh, both teams in uh, Region 3, I think, for 7A. Mm-hmm. Winner will likely take the region. Uh, Hillgrove has an insane special teams and defense. Eight touchdowns for special teams and defense in five games. Uh, Traveris Walker, the punt return man, averaging 35 yards a return. Uh, however, uh, McEachern, nine three stars or better, including a Clemson wide receiver, an Alabama wide receiver, a Florida quarterback. Uh, Miles Murphy, defensive end for Hillgrove, fourth overall in the nation going to Clemson. But you just can't pick against those nine three stars or better. I'm taking uh, McEachern to win this one. I am also going to take McEachern. They're ranked fourth in the state by Max Preps, uh, in the, and Hillgrove is ranked 20th. Both teams 5-0. and oh. um, I'm taking McEachern because their defense is suffocating. They only allow 9.2 points per game, which is the fifth best in Class 7A, which is stacked with offenses all across the entire classification. And if they're holding their opponents to just 9.2 points per game, it's going to be hard for Hillgrove to counter that. Yeah, this is going to be a really defensive game, and I think McEachern's defense is equal to that of Hillgrove. I think the major difference is going to be which offense makes the big mistake, and I think Hillgrove's offense is going to make that big mistake. I think McEachern is too good of a team. I got McEachern winning this one. Uh, next matchup, Oconee County, 5-1, and one, starting region play against St. Pius. Both teams haven't played a game in Region 8 4A yet. St. Pius obviously rivaled to Marist, fell to Marist 30 to nothing earlier this year. Uh, Oconee County, led by senior quarterback Max Johnson, a four-star recruit. He's actually committed to go play at LSU. St. Pius has struggled offensively to put up points against mediocre defenses, only put up 10 against Dunwoody. That's mm-hmm. uh, not That's good bad. enough, really. Uh, I think Oconee County takes the region opener for both teams. I'm going to agree with you, Andrew. Oconee County is going to take this one. St. Pius just has such a one-dimensional offense. It's it's hard to succeed. when you Against against Marseille, only threw four passes the entire game. We just sat down, put like eight or nine people in the box, and just stopped the run. They, they didn't score one point against us, um, and it's going to be hard for them especially on defense, too. They struggle on defense on the big plays. And so with that quarterback committed to LSU, it's going to be hard to stop that. I I got Oconee County in this one. Yeah, St. Pius is having a real down year this year. I think it was a little bit expected coming into the season. Obviously, they're going to be doing better next year. But for this year, I just don't see them beating Oconee County. I got Oconee County winning this one. Final uh, Georgia high school game of the week. Pace, Westminster. Pace 4-1 at Westminster, who's 2-3. However, Westminster has had a much tougher schedule. Westminster uh, defeated St. Pius 42-14. to They fell to Marist in interesting forfeit kind of a mm-hmm. 21 nothing at halftime. And they Weird just, game. It was 14, 14 nothing. 21. They final. came back and scored. They came back and finished a part of the second half. They finished that one drive, I believe. No, it was 14 to nothing, right. JP. It was? All right, so all right. On to the game. <laughs> so, uh, all right, just cut that part. All right, final uh, GHSA matchup of the week. Pace 4-1 and one at Westminster 2-3. and three. Westminster's losses have come to good teams, though, one of them being Marist in a forfeit rain delay win uh, for Marist. Westminster beat St. Pius 42-14. to 14. Uh, They have much better strength of schedule, whereas Pace comes in 
four and one, only lost on the season to Eagles Landing, who was mm-hmm. their biggest game. They fell forty nine nothing to them. They only beat a one and four Stone Mountain team, I think twenty seven twenty. I'm I think Westminster will put up a a lot of points against a mediocre pace defense. I'm taking Westminster. I'm going to disagree with you there, Andrew. I got pace in this one. I don't think Pace's defense is mediocre. Um, they've had two shutouts on the year, even though they've played n- not great competition. And the one game they did play, Eagles Landing, Eagles Landing beat Marist. They put 21 on Marist, which that's a lot of points for Marist to give up. Um, so that's explainable there. And they average eight points per game allowed on defense. So even with that big loss to Eagles Landing, I still got pace in this one. They they score about 30 points per game on offense, led by QB Evan Smith Rooks. So I think it'll be a close game, but pace is going to edge this one out in the fourth quarter. I think Westminster is going to win this one. I feel like Westminster's offense with a dual threat quarterback is going to be able to really explode against this pace defense. And I feel like even though pace can put up a lot of points, I feel like if it comes to that kind of a game, Westminster can put up more points. I got Westminster. As we're going to move into some college football updates for you. Last week, Iowa taking on Michigan. Uh, I got this one right as well. Michigan defeating, <laughs> All right. defeating Iowa. Um, Iowa offensive line looked about, yeah, bad. about as no, bad as any bad. other team. I mean, they were hold, holding almost every single play and were still giving up sacks. It was unbelievable. Yeah, they were looking about as bad as the Braves did in the first inning. But oh, my God. I, <laughs> I will say, the Michigan defense exploded onto the scene. I don't think anyone expected the Michigan defense to be, do this good, especially me. They really shut down this Iowa offense and proved that they are a legit contender once again. Yeah, I think it's mainly due, as Andrew was saying, the Iowa O-line performance. I hated it. It was it was awful to watch, especially on that last drive. It's like you either got sacked or it was a holding penalty. It was it was hard to watch. They got no protection for Nate Stanley. He hadn't thrown an interception all year, and he threw three in this game. So that's that's just unlucky there. That's just not good. And then there were there was awful communication across the O-line on those exotic blitzes Michigan likes to run um, with Jim Harbaugh, and they were just – it, there was multiple times during the game when a, a Michigan DN would would come around untouched and sack the quarterback. You just can't win a game like that. Yeah, I got two quick things. Also, one, Shea Patterson proved once again he's not a good quarterback. I don't. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree don't think that. he's playing very well this season. He's, he's put not. up the points he put up were when his defense gave him incredible field position. I think they really do need a turn to Dylan McCaffrey once they get into some of these harder games, and I feel like they will because I feel like. Although he might not be the best quarterback now, you need to develop him, especially with Shea Patterson not playing at that level. He's not going to be able to consistently win games. And the second thing, this win proved Wisconsin's team is extremely good. I mean, we've seen them really roll over opponents, and we haven't really been able to measure how well they've done this season, and we really can now. This is a legit team, and I think this team is one that could be a dark horse to sneak into the top four. Yeah, I think uh, next game we're going to talk about is Auburn-Florida. Uh, interesting <laughs> matchup. I told you last week, uh, depended on what which Bo Nix you got, and obviously you got the bad Bo Nix. You got the true freshman Bo Nix <laughs> in that game, and that was probably the best take that com- came out of that podcast last week. JP, I, I said last week I'm not going to crown him, and this is the reason why, man. He's He just had a true freshman performance. That just wasn't like – that wasn't what we saw in the previous – weeks before when the previous week before when he put almost 400 yards passing um on mississippi state so that's just that's not what you like to see 
Five yards passing or, or on passes five yards or fewer in the air, he went seven for 10, 50 yards. Those are passes like dink and dunk. You expect to make those. Passes more than five yards downfield, he went four for 17, 95 yards, and three interceptions with only one touchdown. He wasn't making good reads. You saw that play. Um, Auburn was on their own. Auburn was on Florida's five-yard line threatening to score, and all he had to do was read a safety in the middle of the field, and he threw it right to him. Like That was the only read he had to make. His wide receiver was on a slant, and he threw it right to the safety, and then on another play like that in the red zone, he he overthrew a slant by a couple yards. It's like that was wide open, so Bo Nix just isn't as developed as I'd like to see um, coming into this into that last game, and so that's why I think Auburn failed to win. Yeah, for anyone else, I feel like we say he's a true freshman, he's developing, it's okay. For him, it's not okay, because when you're the quarterback of a D1 Auburn offense that's in the top, and their team is in the top 10, you can't have a true freshman performance. You need to per- outperform yeah. the true freshman. You need to be like Trevor Lawrence was last year. You can't play into the, okay, I'm a true freshman. I can make a couple mistakes. Yeah. No, you can't make a couple mistakes. you got to play consistently good football. It's just because he was so hyped after that Oregon win, which, I mean, he made a couple good passes in the end, but for the rest of the game, it was like he, he didn't play well at all, and he just got so much hype from that game. People started to jump on the Bo Nix train, and he just shows you here that he's still a true freshman. Like He's, he's got to develop more to become a good quarterback. Hey, give that Florida offense and defense, really the defense, some defense. credit, though. They played outstanding that game, especially defense with a bunch of takeaways. I mean, best I think I've seen Florida look all year. And their backup quarterback, Trask, had to go out for some time, and they still managed to win the game. Uh, we're going to move into some picks for this week, uh, starting off with number 10, Penn State, at number 17, Iowa. Uh, I don't really think – that Iowa offensive line's gonna like no. improve enough to win, <laughs> improve enough in one week to win nope. this game. Uh, I think Penn State offense has looked really good. I think the Iowa defense has looked pretty good as well. I think they'll put somewhat of a stop to that Penn State offense, but the Iowa offense has no chance. I think Penn State wins big. Yeah, I got Penn State too. They've put they average almost 500 total yards of offense. They're ranked in the top five in college football in offense. And points per game scored and defense points per game allowed. So they're just a solid team all around. And Iowa coming off that loss to Michigan, it was just ugly all around. Not a good offensive performance. Defense was pretty good. They only held Michigan to 10 points, but they, Michigan's offense, JP was saying, is just not talented. They're not really good this year. So it wasn't that much of a testament to Iowa's defense last week. So I'm going to take Penn State in this one. Penn State's another one of those teams that's starting to sneak into the college football playoff conversation. They are scoring 47 points a game while only giving up 7 points per game, and they have over 1,000 rushing yards already this season. They're really controlling the ball, and I think they're such a complete team that Iowa is not. Iowa's not a complete team yet. I think in the future they can be. It's a good start. But right now I know Penn State is a complete team, and I will take the complete team over Iowa. Next game, number 6 Oklahoma, number 11 Uh Texas, Red River Rivalry. At the Cotton Bowl, this one should be exciting. Uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma. I think Jalen Hurts and that offense will do uh, what they've been doing all season. Although, Sam Ellinger, watch out. He plays well in big-time games. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw it against LSU. I know they didn't win. Their defense played terrible that game. Uh, but Sam Ellinger played lights out in that game. Unbelievable. I think Sam Ellinger will live up to his hype, live up to his potential. 
play well again in another big game, but I don't think that Texas defense will perform uh, up to the standards that they need to to stop that Oklahoma offense. Yep, I'm going to go Boomer sooner here. I got Oklahoma in this one. The thing about Oklahoma, I mean Texas that really concerns me, they can they can uh, they claim to be DBU, but they give over give up over 300 yards of passing per game. Like, how do you claim to be DBU and give that much? Give up that much passing yards. Um, and this is going to be a battle of two Heisman contenders. Jalen Hurts versus Sam Ellinger here. Jalen Hurts has just been dominant this season. He's now a viable passer um, in addition to his already dominant rushing attack as a QB. He's a, now truly a dual threat. He's really developed his passing game, and he's going to absolutely expose the Texas secondary in this one. I got Oklahoma. <laughs> DBU of the Big 12, maybe. <laughs> you can't not have a DBU in the Big 12, man. DBU That's of the Big 12, not the nation. doesn't exist. You. Yeah. <laughs> One thing, everyone's going to hype up these offenses, Oklahoma versus Texas. I want to talk about the defense. The better defense is the team. The team with the better defense, defense the is 12. the one that's going to win this game. Oklahoma's <laughs> defense has actually been incredible this season. You look at, I threw out some stats last week. They're doing great on third down. They're really limiting teams' points. They're becoming a lot better defense under the new defensive coordinator from Ohio State. I think that Oklahoma's defense will be the key in this one, and I think they win this. Defense in the Big 12 does not exist. With Oklahoma, now it does. <laughs> now it does in Oklahoma. you got to revise that statement. <laughs> no, <laughs> I won't. I will not be revising that statement. <laughs> number seven, Florida, traveling to Death Valley, taking on the number five ranked LSU Tigers. I liked what I saw from Florida last week against Auburn. Defense looked really good. However, it is in Death Valley, not uh, down in the swamp. I think the, the environment in Florida helped Florida's defense a lot last week against Auburn. Uh, Bo Nix just didn't seem in sync with all that crowd noise. Uh, much different scene this week at LSU. But I think Kyle Trask and that Florida offense uh, will do just enough along with the Florida defense to, uh, I think, pull the upset over LSU. Double-digit underdogs, which kind of surprised me. Yep. This game is in Death Valley, as you were talking about. That's one of the craziest environments in college football, and it's at night. So you add those two factors, that thing is going to be rocking, and it's going to be hard um, for the backup quarterback for Florida to play in that one. He hasn't played in a game like that before. Um, in addition, Joe Burrow is having a career year. He's got over 1,800 passing yards already. He's one of the best five quarterbacks uh, in college football, in my opinion, and he plays well against ranked opponents. Uh, we were talking about he played Texas in week two earlier in the year. He threw for 471 yards, four TDs, and only threw one pick. But I will say, though, we are talking about Texas' defense is, is kind of weak. So, even But with that, they were at Texas, and they, he still performed well. thing about LSU that concerns me, though, is their defense. They gave up 38 points to Texas in week two, and then they gave up 38 points to Vanderbilt in week four. You can't give up 38 points to Vanderbilt, especially as an SEC school, where that's, a, that's supposed to be the defensive conference in the nation um and so andrew's putting up finger quotes what, what do you have to say about that dbu as well there at LSU, <laughs> <apparently>. <laughs> yeah, yeah true one thing we'll say it's been everyone knows about the lsu offense they've done incredible this season i'm gonna go back to defense because i like that <laughs> so i'm gonna go and i'm gonna talk about grant delpit he is the kyle hamilton of lsu <laughs> <laughs> and i think that although LSU's defense has not lived up to the hype this year, he still has. He's played really well this season, and I think he's going to be the difference. I think Louisiana State University wins this one. 
Uh, all right. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, upset picks for the week. I'm taking my team Texas Tech again this oh, week. Man. They got it done last week at Oklahoma State. Uh, pulled a big upset, got me three points. They'll get me three more points this week as they pull the upset over Baylor this time. I, I, I just I can't agree with that. A team that upsets another team always has a letdown week the next week. But, you know, it is, it's, it's pretty plausible. But I'm going to go with Hawaii over number 14, Boise State. Um, this, this game's at Boise State on that ugly blue field. That's possibly the ugliest field I've ever seen in my Don't life. Don't hate it. It's, it's awful. It's, it's awful to watch on TV. I will not be watching that game on TV. I refuse to. Any game on that blue field, I'm not <laughs> watching. Um, these teams are actually more closely matched than the ranking shows. Um, at least more, much more closer than the spread, too. It's a 12.5-point spread. Boise State really hasn't played anyone. I, th- I think they're a little bit overrated. They do have talent, but um, to be ranked number 14, I don't know if they deserve that. They've been riding high for, for a long time this season, and I think this is going to be their downfall. Hawaii's quarterback, Cole McDonald, if he's got an arm on him, and if he can limit his turnovers, I think they've got a good chance to win this one. Um, I've got Hawaii over Boise State. So Mark Connell's Roberts. got the Rainbow, the Rainbow Warriors. Warriors, baby. The War- Rainbow Warriors. Oh, man, that's great. Uh, <laughs> great. But I'm going to say West Virginia upsets Iowa State. They're somehow double-digit underdogs in this one. I think it has a lot to do with the beginning of their season. But if you look last week, they played really well against Texas, and they were expected to be completely blown out, but they were really competitive. And I think the quarterback, Kendall Blanton, is really improved throughout the season, especially after that humbling Missouri loss, Missouri. <laughs> but I will say, I think Iowa State, they, they're just a little inconsistent for my liking, and I think West Virginia can upset them and get my, me my first upset win this year. <laughs> uh, definitely got a chance. Going back to the Florida game, I have a question for y'all. Do you think Florida's better without Felipe Franks and no. yeah. Trask instead? I no. don't like Felipe Franks. Not a fan of Felipe Franks. He's, he's too inconsistent for my liking. Not a great passer. Um, the backup Q, QB for Florida's played pretty well in, in this one. He, he played – I mean, he scored 24 points again, not against Auburn and won the game. I, I like him so far. Felipe's just – he's overrated. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. He definitely will not be playing on Sundays. Not just the injury. Trask was pulling out a couple times because he's not a running quarterback. He's not going to give you those running yards. And in a Florida offense – that's essential. Felipe Franks can give you those rushing yards from the quarterback position. I think this team is better with Felipe Franks. I don't think that they're not a good team without him. I think they're still a good team, but I think they're better with Felipe. Personally, I think uh, Trask is. I mean, I like Trask, against Kentucky, man. against Kentucky, Felipe Franks got Florida in a whole world of trouble. Kentucky's not even that good this year compared to last year where they were very good. But Trask came in and saved the day. Got got a Ford out of a bunch of trouble up there in uh, Lexington and came away with the big win. Helps uh, Ford to get to where they are today. And he pulls a big win over Auburn. I mean, the dude hasn't played quarterback in seven years, and then he comes in and wins two big games in a row for Florida. Yeah, and can we let's not forget about that first game of the college football season when Florida almost lost to the Miami Hurricanes, who are now two and three and lost to Virginia Tech last week. They won twenty four to twenty, and that was just an all out ugly game on both sides. But especially Felipe Franks making bad passes. You said he could get you the rushing yards, but I don't think he can get you the passing yards you need in this new offensive uh, style that college football has now. The spread. 
So I, I don't think he, he's quite the passer that you need on your offense. He might not be the quarterback for college football, but for Florida, Florida uses the running quarterback. Their offensive coordinator strives on that. And you saw, again, I'm going to say, he was pulled out a couple times last week in favor of the third-string quarterback who is more of a running quarterback, especially in the red zone on the early downs, uh, early in the game. I think that it's a little bit more important to Florida to have – a quarterback that can run than having a quarterback that can throw. As we uh, are going to take our picks for the Heisman now, uh, I'm going to take Justin Fields. That Ohio State offense has looked unbelievable to start the year, starting off 5-0 uh, and uh, by week uh, coming into this week. Or I think 6-0 and now. Uh, Justin Fields, seven, 70% completion, uh, averaging 9 yards a throw. Only one interception, 18 touchdowns, and 1,300 yards. He's changed this Ohio State offense. They're very dynamic this year. I think he's early front runner for Heisman. I'm going to go with my main, Jalen Hurts. Um, I, I love Jalen Hurts. As an Alabama fan, You know, seeing him go 26-2 and as a starter for Bama and, and never winning a championship was tough. But, you know, you still got to root for him. He's such a great guy. He's got a great attitude about him. He's a grinder. He, he never let it get him down when Tua started over him. He kept grinding. He never complained about it to the media. He's just an all-around great guy. He's, he's a great guy to have in your program. And I think he's the most responsible for OU's potent Oklahoma's potent offense. Um, he leads college football in QBR. He's the leading rusher on his team. And he's got 21 total touchdowns this year already. Um and he, he combines his rushing attack with his passing attack using a lot more passing this year. He's got over 1,500 yards passing and 500 yards rushing. And he's got the story to go with it, as I was, I was talking earlier. After going 26-2, getting benched, um, you, you don't see that much. But I think he's got just enough to be the Heisman this year. When you're a Wisconsin running back who is one of the top Wisconsin running backs, you are an elite player. Jonathan Taylor is one of the best Wisconsin running backs, and Wisconsin is known for running backs. I do not have the exact stats. I lost my sheet, but I believe he was somewhere in the seven to 800 yard range. And I know he had 12 touchdowns this season already and his receiving yards. He he's racked up a good amount of receiving yards. He had a couple of receiving touchdowns just last week. He had four rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. He is might be able to break that quarterback stereotype of the Heisman and go in as a running back and win the Heisman. As we're going to uh, jump to the MLB playoffs, uh, absolute embarrassment oh for the uh, Braves. Yes, Loved it. Um, I mean, I think ultimately it goes back to game four. I think they should have won game four. They came into game five knowing that they should have won game four with the wrong mentality and then got absolutely burned. But, I mean, ultimately it came down to the Braves pitching in game five. But in game four it was the offense. And I'm going to say that Freddie Freeman ult- ultimately cost the Braves this series. Uh in Game 5, he cost them nine runs in the first inning. He had a double play, easy yeah. double play ball that he booted. He does not miss those. He does not miss those. It He's was, such a lockdown defender. It's crazy to see him miss that ball. It was crazy to see that. It was one nothing at the time in the first inning. Double play ball. Double play gets him out of the inning. And then the Cardinals go on to score nine after that, uh, leading 10 nothing. And then in Game 4, when the Braves just needed one or two insurance runs late in that one to seal the deal... He uh, strikes out with the bases loaded, I think, and uh, 
Man, that offense in game four just couldn't get it done. Three innings in a row should have won the game. Oh, there are just so many opportunities the Braves had this series, even in game one at the end. All they had to do was not choke that for the bullpen. They just didn't have to choke that series. If, if they would have won that game one, it would have been a sweep. You don't even have to worry about game four and five. Um, it's it's just such a disappointing end to the season for the Braves. They had such a good regular season. They had all the pieces to make a championship run. Everything started to click toward the end of the year. The offense continued their dominance. They started to they the starting pitching stayed solid throughout the whole year. And the bull, the bullpen finally started to pull together toward the end of the season after being like god awful in the middle of the season. They had all the pieces going, and then it all just it all just fell apart um, in game five. And then. I mean, for Braves fans, it stings a lot. Ten, ten series losses uh, in a row in the playoffs. You can't see it, but I'm ten. smiling. Ten oh, God, since 2001. <laughs> ten since uh, 2001. They've lost eight NLDS series in a row. They haven't won a, a winner-take-all game since 1996. They've lost their 0-5 in the last five winner-take-all games. Jesus. It's just... Unbelievable for Braves' postseason struggles since they won the World Series in 95. Hey, Connell, you know who's going to be able to make a postseason run now? The Cardinals <laughs> instead of the Braves. Oh, my you God. Look at, you look at the batting for the Cardinals. They did incredible. You look at Molina, DeJong. You look at Ozuna, who had an incredible game. you got to love that neon sleeve. <laughs> I d- that is lucky. He's the, his lucky sleeve, apparently. Yeah, he had a white one on for a while. Then all of a sudden, he was allowed for Players Week to wear that one, for the, wear the neon one. He batted 500, and they've let him wear it ever <laughs> since. And you look at Yadier Molina, you saw how excited he was after that final strike. And really, after the first inning, the game was over. I mean, the game ended 13-1. to But if you really look at it, when you look at the Braves, how they batted through the rest of the game... They were really desperate, and they were swinging at everything. They weren't making good decisions, especially Acuna. Acuna had a really bad game, but, you know, I'm happy because Cardinals won. (laughs) Gotta love it, and they're going to win it all. Yeah, and you really got to give credit to the veteran Yachty because he's responsible for their Game 4 win. He had that bloop single uh, that scored the run to tie the game in Game 4, and then he had that game-winning walk-off sack fly to win the game. So you got to give credit to to where credit is due. Yadier Molina played great. And one last thing to mention, Brian McCann retired. What a career for him and the Braves. One of the more iconic players um, that's played for the Braves in the last two decades. It's going to be weird to know he's out of the league. Yeah, and to add insult to injury for Braves fans, the Nats go into L.A. last night, (gasps) take the win over the Dodgers. Unbelievable fashion. Talk about, I mean, just like, franchise players ruining series freddie freeman hurts the braves tremendously and then for la clayton kershaw who has been just a legend in la pitching wise comes into the series loses his first game because he gives up three earned runs and is just completely outpitched by uh strasburg and then in game five walker bueller pitches unbelievably sets them up for success and then Clayton Kershaw comes in, gets one out in the uh, seventh inning. Then the eighth gives up two home sing- solo home runs in a row, costs them the lead, and then eventually the grand slam in the tenth, given up by Joe Kelly. And after that, the Dodgers. Howie Kendrick, man, how clutch! Done. Tenth inning. And Howie Kendrick used to play slam. for the Dodgers, comes back and hurts his old team. I got a, <laughs> uh, something interesting here for you. Clayton Kershaw in that game, three batters faced. Two home runs allowed. Mariano Rivera throughout his entire 
career in the playoffs, faced 527 batters and only allowed two home runs in the playoffs. Jeez. One thing I will say, I want to defend my Cardinals winning the championship. <laughs> I can explain that. If you look at the series against the Dodgers and the Nationals, they had a winning record against them both in the regular season. I think they can beat the Nationals. Obviously, I think we all expect the Yankees to win and go. If you look at how the Yankees team is built, I think they're very similar to the Braves. And I feel like the Cardinals, after having that uh, really incredible, amazing win against the Braves, especially that incredible, <laughs> amazing top of the first right. inning. All I'm right. going to keep going on this. <laughs> but uh, I think that they can pull it out. It'd take all seven games, but I think the Cardinals definitely have a chance to make a run this year. JP, the Cardinals will lose to the Nats in the next Not round. Not happening. <laughs> um, in the AL, the Yankees, Bronx Bombers absolutely bombed Just the swept. Twins. Swept. Uh, final series, game tonight, game five for Astros and the Rays. Personally, I think if the Astros can get through this tough series, they've had bad pitching performances back-to-back by two of the greatest pitchers in the league right now, Granke and Verlander, both bad outings. Uh, but you saw what their their pitchers are capable of in the first two games. I mean, those guys, Verlander and uh, Garrett Cole, pitched like 14 innings and gave up no runs, like 20-something strikeouts. Unbelievable. If Garrett Cole can get it done tonight, I think the Astros go all the way and win. Yeah, I'm, I agree with that. They're the best all-around team in the league, I'd say. And that pitching can nullify the Yankees hitting. Um, it's just it's just a matter of getting through this series. This would be the third upset in the, in the divisional round. The Rays would beat the Astros. That's one. Uh, the Nationals beating the Dodgers. That's two. That's two wildcard teams that have the potential to be in the, um, in the championship round. And then the Cardinals beating the Braves. I'm pretty sure everyone thought that was an upset. So yeah, it's it's been an interesting playoffs uh so far in the major leagues. It's 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 definitely been weird. As we're going to move into some NFL headlines quickly before we sign off. Uh first off, scary situation up in Pittsburgh for uh Mason Rudolph as he was knocked unconscious. Yeah, and then when you look back on it, when he was hit by Earl Thomas, he was knocked unconscious before he hit the ground. You see his eyes roll back. And then when he hits the ground, his head hits the ground hard. He was hospitalized. He is going to be okay. But a really scary situation for the Steelers and Mason Rudolph. And for QBs all around the league, 18 incidences where QBs were injured, benched, retired through five weeks. I mean, unbelievable start to the season with the amount of QBs going out or new QBs replacing them. Yeah, if you look at it, like I said in the first podcast, I think it's going to be survival of the fittest. Whichever team has their starting quarterback still around by the end of the season, except the Saints. The Saints' Teddy Bridgewater is doing really good, but and but uh, Breeze will be returning. But I think the teams with the quarterbacks that survive will be the ones that win. Uh, I agree with you. The Saints look unbelievable. I don't. I think next year Teddy Bridgewater will be playing for, uh, starting for a team. He, he looks really good for that. Uh, Saints offense with Drew Brees out, although I don't expect him to keep playing once Drew Brees comes back. Uh, one final note on the NFL. I think the pass interference rule that they've initialized this year has been a disgrace. Yeah. I mean, it's ultimately all the calls that they're reviewing are going back to the NFL headquarters, yet somehow we're getting insane just instability as yeah. to what is it's, it's just ref- it's, i think it's just referees being stubborn and being like my judgment calls are my judgment calls you can't overturn them and and then just like being in that mindset but like the nfl's changed like we're trying to get things right now like 
and we that after that abysmal Rams Saints pass interference, <laughs> pass interference, they are that that was the catalyst to this new rule, and they really haven't been implementing it, which is weird. Yeah, T. Y. Hilton. I mean, you saw it was obviously not pass interference. I look at the replay, and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to commercial. They're overturning this. I get back from commercial, it stands. I was completely confused on how when he T. Y. Hilton was just standing in his space, he didn't really initiate any kind of contact on that pick play. He really didn't do anything. The Chiefs busted coverage and both took T. Y. and left Doyle wide open. He didn't really do anything to warrant a pass interference. Mm-mm. And I think that it's if they're not gonna use the rule, don't have the rule. Don't be able to review pass interference if you're not actually gonna change it. One last quick headline. Jay Gruden fired five weeks after a video surfaces, and honestly, he's been very underwhelming in his career with the Redskins. He hasn't lived up to the hype. He's had some great quarterbacks, and I I know you're going to dispute this. RG3 was a great quarterback without injuries. Kirk Cousins was great. I think Dwayne Haskins has the ability to be great, and I think that he's not the coach to be able to get that from Dwayne Haskins. I love this quote. Is saying, well, if the key works on Monday, if it unlocks the door, then I'll still be coaching. Uh, it that's not a lot of confidence there. And, and <laughs> there was no confidence. There was there. no confidence that he's going to have his job. And the key did not work. Nope. They changed the locks out there at the uh, Reds, Redskins <laughs> facilities. So he's he's gone. Uh, interesting start to the NFL season. Not really loving what I'm seeing rules wise. That's why college football is better than NFL. But I agree. Disputed. <laughs> So that'll do it for this week, uh, edition of NBC Sports Podcast Season 2, Episode 3. On behalf of J.P. Eisenhower, Connell Scruggs, I'm Andrew Sullivan signing off. As we said earlier, be sure to check the NFHS Network for the replay. All student-run broadcast of Marist against West Hall won't be live, but check NFHS Network on Saturday for the replay. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.